Um, well, good morning. I'm excited um, that you're here today. I'm excited that I get the opportunity to um, just speak um, what's on, on my heart that God's impressed upon me. And um, hopefully, as you're, you're here, that you can um, just take something to heart this morning. Um, I hope the, the Lord is on, on your heart, uh, working on your heart as well. Today, we're going to just wrestle with the topic of delighting in the Lord. Um, this has been just a huge part of just my ministry um, and just working with youth over the years and then and in, in, in just in, in my own personal journey with Christ. And it's, um, it's something that I just want to kind of share with you guys um, to be a part of that journey with me. Um, but before um, I do, I just want to share something um, really quick as well as preparing for this message. I've been kind of reminiscing a lot on my experiences that we had at our Dunes High School camp um, last month. And um, for those of you that haven't done camps or been a part of camps, uh, I just want to sales pitch this a little bit. But if you um, don't like getting much sleep, being in cabins with a bunch of sweaty teenage boys, and being asked to play ridiculous games in the dark, you have not lived your life to the fullest, okay? <laughs> so um, come to Dunes next year. Um, anyways, at summer camp every year, we, I introduce this game that we play with the guys in my cabin. And it's not just any game, right? It's a secret membership. It's a club or something really fun like that, right? However, this game is very intense. This is intense. See, imagine saying a word, one word, and having to drop down to the floor to do 10 push-ups wherever and whenever. Now, no, this is not considered hazing or anything cruel like that. See, this is all fine and dandy until you're the one doing the push-ups, right? <laughs> so my favorite time um, at camp this, this summer was in the breakfast hall when one of my camp, uh, campers kept asking another camper, whose bottle is that? Whose bottle is that? And they kept defensively saying, that is M-I-N-E, and I will not say that word still because I fear Dustin or Matt or Madeline or Megan or, or Matt will tell me to do push-ups right here, right? Um, because this club, this membership, lasts forever. Like, you can never um, auction out of this club, okay, so to speak. And so, um, at that moment, that student had to, knew they messed up big time. They messed up big time. He said that restricted word not only once, but three times. That's 30 push-ups, folks. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. That thing just kept on sliding. I appreciate that. 30 push-ups, right? 30 push-ups right then and there. Now, before you call me cruel, just so you know, they had the option of saying no prior to joining the club, the membership, okay? Um, needless to say, my cabin, my entire cabin, was um, working out their spiritual muscles that week and their physical triceps, okay? Um, so that was an incredible week. Um, and at the end of the week, every one of my guys were like, there has to be a tired clause in there. Like, we are so tired. I'm like, there's none. I'm sorry. Like, you, you should have read the, the, the fine lines, right? And so they were very tired physically and emotional. And I never really had a cabin group that just carried that game throughout the whole week. And they not only carried it within our cabin, they spread it to the entire camp, right? And I will say, just so you know, I never said the word the whole week, okay? They never caught me saying the word. I, I kind of felt bad for them, so I did a few push-ups. But um, how you, now you're wondering, how does this even relate to what you're talking about today? Well, we are talking about delight, right? And there's some part of us that delights in people messing up, 
right? Just a little part of us, right? But today we're going to be talking about delighting in the Lord. And there's so much more than this temporary laugh that we get, right? There's so much more to unpack and unravel with the truth of delighting in the Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, I just, uh, I just want to give this, this time up to you, Lord. God, that you would just work on our hearts today. God, if there's someone in this room that needs to hear your words, that you would just penetrate their hearts, that you would soften hearts, that you would allow um, this time to be something where it's not just sitting and, and listening, but sitting and, and, and just applying this throughout the week, God. That you would just work on my heart as well, God, as there's areas in my life where I am not delighting in you. And so, God, I just pray that as a church body and that we would continue to seek you first. And we put our delight in you, starting with this morning. In your name, amen. So the scripture we, um, we're going to be in is, is just one, we're going to focus on one verse. Um, and some of you are like, man, that's, that's a lot of time for just one verse. And, and, um, and it is, um, but I'm going to read in context kind of the first few verses um, all the way to verse 6. So we're going to be in Psalms 37. Psalms 37, we're going to start with verse 1. We're going to go, uh, I'm going to read to verse 6, but we're going to really just focus on verse 4 today. So Psalms 37 Verse 1, do not get upset because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and decay like the green plants. Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring out your righteousness as the light in your judgment as the noonday. Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, is where we're going to spend our time today. See, David is said to have written this psalm, but today um, we're going to, again, focus on that fourth verse. But I would encourage you to read the entire psalm um, in your kind of your scripture reading this week. But what does delight in something truly mean? It means a great pleasure, taking a great pleasure in something. Delight is not um, just a, it, it's a, a, an intense, um, just pleasure, taking pleasure in something. And today we're going to dive into two main kind of points and then some sub points with those. If you enjoy taking notes, there's a note guide in your bulletins. So first, uh, delight in the Lord. Let's take on this first section of the verse. Delight yourself in the Lord. What does it mean to take, to delight or take pleasure in the Lord? Two important reminders that delight in the Lord means for us. First, if you're taking notes, delighting in the Lord implies a redirection of our affections from temporary things to eternal blessings. From temporary things to eternal blessings. Think of Paul and Silas in jail. Before being thrown into prison, Basically, Paul and Silas were in trouble for healing a slave woman from a demon, um, being demon-possessed. And her masters were upset because they lost um, their fortune teller, which actually gave them money. And so we're going to read Acts 16, 22 through 26 to kind of see what's going on. So that's what happened prior. So here we go. At this point, 
the crowd joined in an attack against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were unfastened. In that, that scene, that picture, what did they do instead of sulking in misery? They turn their sorrow into singing and praising to the Lord. See, this is a theme all throughout Scripture, to turn our gaze toward heaven, even in the midst of whatever trial you're going through. I read a while back, and I was kind of, I was brought up to mind, um, remember this. Um, I read a true account in a book called The Insanity of God a while back, Um, about modern-day prisoners. It really covers modern-day prisoners in all parts of the world, in the harshest extreme areas. Modern-day Christian um, um, prisoners that were being um, persecuted for their faith. And this particular account I remembered was uh, during the Soviet Union time period. And this man was uh, named Dmitry, and he was put in jail for 17 years for sharing his faith in Jesus. See, his church grew from about, you know, few people, like maybe 20 to 150. And that was enough for the authorities to really want to come in and shut it down. And so he was stripped away from his family, his church family, and he was, they ended up putting him in a cell that was so tiny that it was only a few feet to the, to the bars. And he did two things every single day, two things that I read about. Instead of sulking and getting mad at his captors, he would find any piece of paper and pencil that he could, and he would write down memory verses that he had memorized and put to heart and posted them on the wall of his prison. And later, without fail, his captors would find these verses and they would beat him for it. And secondly, the second thing he did every day is every single morning, he would sing his heart song to God for everyone in the, in the, in the prison yard area to hear. And the people next to his cell would, 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 without fail, every single morning, would mock him, laugh at him, and, and just be it, it just like, what are you doing? And so for 17 years, his captors were telling him that they killed, or um, after, sorry, after 17 years, his captors came out and said, we killed your family. And he finally broke. Dimitri finally broke. And he said he would sign that confession that he didn't believe in Jesus, and they would free him. And so that night, he was wrestling in prayer. And he was remarkably given assurance that his family was still alive in prayer. And so the next morning, he, his captors came to give him the, the sheet to sign, and he said he would not sign it. A few days later, he found a whole kind of piece of paper and, and pencil in the prison yard, just remarkably, and he wrote every single verse he could possibly remember on that sheet, and he put it again on the wall of his cell as a prayer offering to God. And his jailer came, and he was obviously not happy at all. In fact, he was so unhappy that he decided to drag him down to his death. 
And as he was being dragged from his cell down a corridor, his captors immediately dropped him. Because every cell all around 1,500 criminals began singing that heart song that he had sung faithfully every single morning. And the jailers released him, and they asked him immediately, said, who are you? And get this. He said, I am a son of the living God, and Jesus is his name. A few minutes later, they released him back to his family. But here's the, the point. Is his delight was firmly set on Jesus for 17 years while he was in prison. 17 years. See, Dimitri was focused on the eternal things despite the earthly hardships. Now, in a different way, I want to kind of point you to um, just different things that we've seen in Scripture. And the Israel, where did they kind of go wrong um, in the wilderness? Is they focused on the current issues. They focused on what was wrong in the wilderness. Instead of focusing on the current problems, we would do well to ask God to do what Proverbs 38 says. Proverbs 38 says, keep falsehoods and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Give me only my daily bread. And what is our daily bread? It's asking for help for today's troubles. It is seeking God in the presence, in the present tense, right? Hence the daily bread part. It's not, it doesn't say weekly. It doesn't say yearly. It doesn't say every other day bread. It's daily bread, right? See, our addiction to the culture's falsehood keeps us from clinging to Christ and what he offers daily. So you have this tendency to think that I will hold out as long as I can with my current addition to my iPhone. I want to win against Apple. But here's, that's the problem. Apple always wins, right? Sooner or later, at precisely two years, my phone will digress into a snail-like pace, and a few months later, it'll complete its mission by uploading something horrible to my phone and kill it, kill the battery. And so, without fail, after two years, I have to buy the next iPhone, right? I have to update to the next iPhone. And I think it's all a conspiracy to get us to keep buying it in, right? Yet, our world is addicted to new, to aren't we? Like we have to get what's new and we have to get the newest gadgets, the newest entertainment, the new, the busyness, right? Like we have to look at one another and say, how busy are you? I wanna be busier, right? And we have to keep the lie of temporary things away. We must rid ourselves of delighting the temporary and keeping our eyes set firmly on the eternal, on Christ. We must rid ourselves. We must rid ourselves of delighting in the temporary. We have to keep the falsehood and lies. Um, if, if, if we do keep those falsehood and lies close to us, it shows that we really aren't clinging to Christ's daily bread. It keeps us selfish and self-seeking. So we need to ask for the daily bread, see God's daily position, uh, provisions and guidance each day. And this takes our attention off the temporal and focuses on the eternal, just like Dimitri did for those 17 years. Secondly, delighting in the Lord implies effort on our part. Effort on our part. See, delight is a verb and it implies an action. It, it implies an action on our part. It, and it's not an easy action, right? 
It's not easy. And I, and I think that the Apostle Paul is a great example of what it means to delight in the Lord. His whole life was delighting in the Lord. And so I want to kind of turn your attention to Philippians 4. 4 verse 11 through 13 is where we're going we're gonna to look at this. Paul said in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in, in plenty or in wants. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. See, Paul's big secret to living in his strength, in the strength of God, is in being content. And in that contentment, we could find true strength in Christ. See, Paul is saying that in need or in plenty, he has learned to really just be satisfied, delighting in Christ. And you know what keeps us from that contentment is the more word, right? The more things. We keep Christ close when we keep the lie of more away from us. And discontentment produces this false idea, um, like this consumerism mentality of like, I need that. I need that, right? And I'm not just thinking material things. I'm thinking of the things that we consume on a daily basis, screen time, right? That steals our attention away from delighting in him. And it also it allows for the lie of anxiety to creep into our life. Like, I think our American culture is in a wave of anxiety built upon too much, too much, too much noise, too much distraction. And anxiety really cripples us because it suggests and lies to us to trust in self, right? Instead of trusting in a faithful God. It's, it's lying to us. And see, God gives us new mercies for every challenge we need today. Not tomorrow, not the next week, not the next month, but today. New mercies today, right? Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. See, I see this with youth. I know we all have, uh, we're struggling with kind of too much in, in our culture, but the more we are connected to the latest technology or entertainment, we develop more worry. And why is because we're not content. We're not content. Social media and online shopping or, or what, what have it, like makes it easy to be jealous and concerned about how we measure up or stack up to others. Why? Because we're not content to be where we're at. We want what, what the newest and the latest thing is. And, and um, I ask you, is it possible that we're not delighting in Christ because there is so much busyness and noise and distraction all around us? Is it, is it possible that we're not delighting in Christ because there's too much? Have you been camping in the woods recently? I'm not talking about glamping. Um, I'm talking about camping, like truly camping, like where you're out in the middle of nowhere. What do you hear out in the middle of nowhere? Hopefully not busyness, right? Hopefully not noise of, of, of the city life, right? Maybe you hear crickets and bullfrogs and wind and trees swaying. Like that's true camping, right? And it's disconnecting. Like when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're disconnecting from the craze of this culture that says you need to do more. You need to live this fast-paced life. 
But when, I, when we compare this to our spiritual life, we, we kind of have this disconnect. And, I, and I'm talking to myself as well, is what is the noise in my life? What is the noise in your life that's keeping you from delighting in Christ today? Like, how long has it been since you said, man, I want to connect with Christ, and therefore I'm going to put away social media for a week? Going on a fast, a social media fast. Can we go without it? Or do we, do we feel this need that we have to have more? Like, is it so possible that we have connected so much to the world's noise that we have forgotten to connect to Christ? Maybe we need that time to really just pray or to be with Christ in Scripture. You know, if we cut out that extra noise in our lives, we might see actually that anxiety and stress and concerns start to fade and contentment start to invade our lives. Secondly, desires of our hearts. The desires of your heart. This is the second part of the verse. And we see our desires of our hearts follow immediately after delighting in the Lord. And I think there's a reason for that. We see these, the desires of our hearts immediately follow after delighting in the Lord. See, when you delight in the Lord, you truly find contentment, I believe. And in this, we see that he will give you the desires of your hearts. He will. Not a maybe. He maybe give you. It says he will give you the desires of your heart. See, first, our de deepest desires are sometimes only unlocked through prayer. And sometimes we don't even know what our deepest desires are until we engage with prayer. But even then, we have this Holy Spirit working as a mediator and advocate in prayer. So let's take a look at Romans 8, 26 through 27. Romans 8, 26 through 27. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. That's good. <laughs> That's good news. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows that what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. See, as Christians, we have an advocate in the Holy Spirit interceding for us even when we don't know how or what to pray. But I would suggest if we could engage into prayer and, and connecting with Christ, see, this act of wrestling in prayer, we may find that our deepest desires have been unlocked. And this could take days. It could take months. It could even take years of faithful prayer. But I want to kind of give you a practical kind of uh, example of this. Let me tell, tell you about a quick experience I had actually a, a few weeks ago at Dunes, um, our summer camp. At a moment of just, uh, just sheer, just joy, like sheer delight in the Lord. And seeing God work in the hearts of you, young people who want to give their lives to him and to serve Jesus is more delight than I could ever ask for. And my heart was literally overflowing with joy to see one of our, our youth in tears say, I need to go find my sister to tell, him, tell her about my decision to follow 
Jesus. It was in the midst of this crazy kind of night game that was really fun. Um, that's when Matt, Matt's with us this morning too, found Madeline, his sister, and told her of the decision he had made. And see, both were in tears when they embraced. And they embraced. But here's the truth. See, Madeline and Megan, Matt's siblings, had been praying for Matt long before leading up to that moment. Long before. And it was years of delighting themselves in the Lord and praying for their little brother. That that, that deepest desire of the brother coming into the fold, that, that was unlocked through prayer. See, nothing stirs my heart more than seeing people come to Christ. But I would suggest that nothing stirs God's heart more than seeing his lost sheep come back into his fold. See, have you been, have you seen, have you experienced this with your family when they come to know Christ? Like, I would suggest that prayer had something to do with that. I've heard so many times of families and moms and dads praying for years for their, their, their son or daughter. And years and years go by, a faithful prayer, faithful engaging and wrestling with prayers, words too deep, groanings too deep for words, right? And then years and years later, that son or that daughter comes into the fold, comes back to Christ, or, or receives Christ for the first time. See, when we align ourselves with the mission of Christ, we get to experience the blessing of Christ when our deepest desires are being met in Christ's deepest desire. See, prayer unlocks the heart of God and gives us the benefit of experiencing him in those moments. And God's heart is for you to experience more of him. And that means having a relationship of prayer with him. See, we get Christ interceding for us on our behalfs and, and for others. And speaking of, of, of prayer, we get to be a part of that. And I would suggest even this week, if you, if you can, as we're speaking of prayer, keep our missions team in your prayers this week. Like there is nothing more urgent and more exhausting at the same time than being on mission in a country that you've never been to. And that you are, are uh, and so if you can just keep them in your prayers as they're, they're spreading the gospel overseas. But what an incredible opportunity to experience the heart of God for the lost, right? And so how can we understand our desires more clearly? Let's visit what our desires are not. See, we know that the, the psalmist is speaking, uh, the desires the psalmist is speaking is not earthly pleasures, such as sports or video games or relationships necessarily or love or, or money or fame or easy job necessarily. See, this world, um, uh, this would contradict kind of most of what the Old Testament or New Testament is teaching. And also the Apostle Paul would not have been put in jail for be or being beaten for Christ. And in that trouble and pain and physical and, and spiritual kind of pain, he wouldn't have been content in all circumstances. And the book of James wouldn't have said to count all joy when we face trials of many kinds. And the early disciples would, um, 
maybe not necessarily delight in being persecuted, but let me tell you what they did delight. They delighted in the result of being closer to Christ. And there's so much more to unravel with this truth, but what are the desires of our hearts then? What are the desires? If we know what they're not, if they're not earthly pleasures, what are they? Like, have you been swayed by the cultural norm of, of maybe a bigger house, bigger, more money, bigger vacations? So you know the troubling thing about vacations, and in summer is the teacher time for vacation, right? And we just got back from a vacation earlier in July, and the troubling thing is it ended, right? Like, they end it. They end. And we also, that's the same thing with money. Like, we lose money. We can't keep it forever. And, and, and we, we may lose friends, and we may lose our house. We may lose this. But here's the secret to our desires. Not only can they be a lot unlocked through prayer, but secondly, our desires are never ending. And that's good news. That's good news. Our desires are never ending. Let's read Psalm 16, 2 and 11. In Psalm 16, 2 and 11, it says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good beside you. Verse 11, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Like, who doesn't want that? Like, abundant joy, eternal pleasures? Like, that is incredible. That's amazing. And you know what's incredible? It's not temporary. It's eternal. It's never-ending. We don't need to settle for temporary things. We have something bigger and bolder that we can be a part of when we delight in the Lord. See, C.S. Lewis once wrote, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition. While infinite joy is offered us, we are far too easily pleased. Like, are we far too easily pleased here on earth, like just with finite things? See, the desire of your heart is revealed in the first part of the verse, delight yourself in the Lord. In, in, in essence, really, God is promising that those who make him the object of their desires, he will fulfill that desire. And C.H. Uh, Spurgeon, an 1800s pastor once wrote, Satan often doesn't often attack a Christian who is living near to God. As there is the most heat nearest to the sun, so there is the most happiness nearest to Christ. Could this be true for us today? Like, are, can we experience true joy here on earth? Can we experience true joy of being living near the Son of God? And drawing close to God, he promises in James 4.8 that he would draw near to us. And I would say that we often don't know what our hearts want. But we all long for contentment, right? Like we long for satisfaction in this life. Something beyond the temporary. We long for permanence. And so maybe your heart desires to be content in all circumstances. In all circumstances. So what is constant in all circumstances? It is Christ. He is our daily bread. But Jesus is so much more. Like we desire more of Jesus in our hearts, not less, because he is so much more eternally more. 
take this list, for example. There's a, a, a resource of verses that the uh, publisher Thomas Nelson kind of gathered. And I want to kind of just give you the scope of what we find in Jesus throughout Scripture. In Jesus, we find there is no blemish, spot, stain, spot of sin, defilement, lying, deception, corruption, error, or imperfection in him. There is no other God beside him. He is, the full, he is full of all wisdom and knowledge and the fullness of deity dwells in him. He is the heir of all things. He created all things and all things were created by him, through him, and for him. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He has no beginning or no end. He is our hope, life, and peace. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith and salvation. He is the champion, the righteous servant, the Lord of hosts, the redeemer, the holy one of Israel, the God of the whole earth. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is the good shepherd, the lion of Judah, the living word, the light of the world, the rock of salvation, eternal spirits, the ancient of days, creator, comforter, Messiah, great I am. He is Jesus. He is so much more. This is the God who we put our trust in. In fact, there is a group of churches, the Westminster Confession, they put together a, a group of confessions long ago, and they answered the question, what is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of life? And they said, as they gathered together, the purpose of mankind is to glorify God, glorify God, and enjoy him forever and enjoy him forever. Isn't that our desire as Christians truly? Like to glorify God. Like we got that. Like we, we do that in prayer and worship and in scripture reading and, and spread, spreading the gospel. We want to glorify God. We want to make his name great. But here's the thing, guys. Sometimes as Christians, we forget that there is pure delight in following Christ. We do really good at, at possibly glorifying God, and we can always work harder in that area, but the, the part that we tend to miss is enjoyment of Christ. Because we don't get to enjoy him just now, we get to enjoy him forever. Our desires are never-ending. C.S. Lewis said, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because there, it is not there. There is no such thing. And that's where we spend our, our lives pursuing temporary desires when they're not there. There's no peace apart from Jesus. See, happiness and peace is a stronghold built upon uh, under the shadow of the Almighty. And when we take refuge in Christ, we are secure in Christ alone today and for eternity. So believe with me today that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And our desires are far more of him. Far more, not less. Far more of him. In closing, I just kind of want to kind of point out some things that maybe we can just apply in our own lives, but what is the noise? What is the noise that you need to start tuning out in your life? What is the noise and the busyness of your life that you need to tune out like, what if we as a church family started cutting out a little more social media, a little more busyness, a little more of our schedule, and giving it more to Christ? 
Wouldn't that make an impact? I don't know what a bigger impact that we can make as Christ followers and then reducing what's on our plate and spending more time with Christ. Like, how can we delight ourselves in Jesus today? Could Could we cut some time and then spend more time in Scripture or praying for others? Like maybe we need to back up. Maybe if, if you're here today, maybe you, this is all new. Maybe we need to, to surrender first, right? And stand with Jesus today. As you know, we have a baptism coming up in a, in a few weeks. And there's a, lo- there's a lot of people taking the stand for Jesus. This is an exciting time. And I'm, I'm telling you this because I, I, it gives me delight to know that God's at work in our church family. And I think the last estimate was like 12 to 13 uh, people in our church that are getting baptized on the 18th. I can't remember the exact number, but there is a group of people that are saying, man, I want to stand with Jesus. I want to make a stand. I want to spend more of my life running after him. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you're at, where you find yourself today, is maybe I need to stand with Jesus today. And I want to take delight. I want to know what it means to have my desires be fully met in Christ. And maybe you need to make that first step of obedience and surrendering to Christ. And then that second act of obedience is baptism. And following and saying public declaration of, I want to spend the rest of my life pursuing Christ, glorifying God and, and enjoying him forever. And so let's take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and he will satisfy your desires and ultimately give you peace give you comfort and again the key to getting the desires of your heart met is that first part is delighting in the lord let's end with the verse again delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart i'm going to invite the worship team up. Um, I'm going to pray. But while the worship team is, is up here, um, there's going to be um, some, some folks in the back. If you need a prayer um, to pray with them, I think Bill and Vicki Eden will be in the back um, during worship. If you need to, if you need to uh, just spend time in, in prayer and you want someone to pray for you, they're going to be in the back. Um, but let me, let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you for allowing us to just dive into your word today. God, thank you for um, allowing us to delight in you. God, we have the opportunity to come near to you, to draw close to you. So God, maybe we need to put aside some of those distractions in our life so we can delight in you. God, if, if there's anyone in this room that they're, they're feeling that tug which, uh, of the Holy Spirit, ultimately prompting them to make a decision for Christ, to stand with Jesus and to surrender for the first time. God, I pray that happens today. So God, we can, we can really get to the really important stuff of, of just delighting in you for the rest of our lives and, and enjoying you in our walks with you, God. God, I do pray that our walks with you increase this week, that we would find time to be able to delight in you, Jesus. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurch.com.
gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.